Thanks be to God. Thank you, Arnie, for sharing that scripture with us this morning, and may God add his blessing, and may the words from my mouth be what we each need to hear this morning. Before I begin my message, I just want to comment on something. Mary Damer on YouTube said, Good morning, everyone, on a wonderfully snowy day. Do those two words belong in the same sentence? Wonderfully snowy. And then Kim Grant, believe this or not, Kim, I don't think you're feeling too well today. She said, lucky. We are hoping for one more snowstorm this year. Wow. These are your relatives, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why would anybody hope for a snowstorm? That's why she moved north, because she wanted the snow. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I just... Oh, well, I'm not going to repeat what you just said. You tell her that. I'm not going to tell her that. Right after Ben Franklin flew his kite, some Frenchmen were experimenting with electricity, and they wanted to know how fast electricity moves. So the abbot of this big monastery volunteered his monks to, uh, for, for an experiment that, that, that they wanted to do. The monks had taken a vow of obedience, so they had to do whatever the abbot told them to do. And so he told them to uh, line up, a thousand of them, to line up holding hands, and then the electric current would be applied to the hand of the first monk in line, and then the idea was they wanted to see how quickly that electricity would move. Well, they did it, and every one of those thousand monks jumped at exactly the same moment. That must have been quite a sight. From this, I personally drew three conclusions. Number one, that electricity moves with a pretty amazing speed to be able to do that. Number two, that that abbot really had some power and authority over those monks to get them to do that. And number three, wouldn't it be great if we could get a thousand or even a hundred or even 20 people in the church today who could get excited enough to jump in the air all at the same time? Now, we're not going to apply electricity to you, but if we could all get excited at the same time. Wouldn't that be great? It's hard to get that much cooperation in any organization or in any church. In our reading, Peter tells us that we are to be a big, happy family. Well, we all know that even the happiest of families have their problems, don't they? I like the story of the family who changed churches, and the little boy had trouble with a little bit of difference in the wording in the Lord's Prayer in the new church that he, they were going to now. And his older brother said to him, Now listen, I keep telling you this and you keep doing it wrong. You don't say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us in this church. You're supposed to say, forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who are dead against us. <laughs> I hope that none of us have anyone in this church family who is dead against us. Unfortunately, even in the happiest of families, though, there are going to be conflicts. Paul tells us to watch our tongues, 
to be careful, to pray for one another, to forgive one another, to love one another. A big, happy family, that's the ideal model for the church. But how do we have that relationship in the church, in this church today? Where do we find the electricity that will cause dozens of us to jump into the air at the same time? Now, you know I don't mean literally. I mean get excited about what we can do and what we're capable of doing as a local body. We find it by reminding ourselves of who we are and what we're about. We do it by asking ourselves, I think, three questions from time to time. The first question that we need to ask ourselves as a church once in a while is this question. What can we do to help people love God more? We are not in the beautiful building business. We have a beautiful building, but we are not in the beautiful building business. We are not in the business of producing great music. We do produce great music here from time to time. We are not in the business of preaching great sermons, and that's a good thing. Or I'd have to leave. We are in the business, first of all, of helping people find God and know God's love and experience God's love. That is our business as a church. Many people are afraid of God. They are afraid of trusting their lives to God. They think that if they do that, God will place some huge burden on them and ask them to go to Africa and be a missionary or something. Bill Bright dealt with this in a beautiful way. Here's what he said. He said, my wife and I have two grown sons. Suppose that when when they were little boys, they had come to greet me when I returned home from a trip and they said, we love you, Dad. We missed you so much. We're so excited about you being home. We have been talking and we've decided that from now on, we are going to do anything you want us to do. From now on, you just command us and we'll obey without question. We just want to please you. He says, what do you think would have been my attitude in response to their expression of love to me, to them saying that? If I had responded the way many people think that God would respond, then if they said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, I would have taken them by the shoulders I would have looked at them with an evil eye, and I would have said, I have just been waiting for you to say that. Now I'm going to make you regret your decision to trust me as long as you live. I'm going to take all the fun out of your lives, and you're not going to have any fun at all. I will make you miserable as long as you live. No, of course, he says, I wouldn't have said that. I would have put my arms around them and gave them a hug and said, Zach, Brad, I love you too, and I want to justify your faith and your trust in me. I want to be a better dad to you. I want to do everything I can to help you live full and meaningful lives. Do we really think that God would respond any other way except that way? He would promise us love and loyalty and care. My main purpose as your pastor is to tell you that God loves you 
and to try in every way to help you answer God's call as an individual and as a church body. That's my main purpose. There's a sea creature. It's called a limpet. Have you ever heard of a limpet? Well, a limpet lives in a cone-shaped shell, like, sort of like a crab, and it clings tightly like a snail to rocks on the seashore, very tightly. And it's so sensitive to danger that if a person or a fish or something gets close to it, approaches, that when a, when a person gets near, it'll hold so tightly to that rock that it's just about impossible to pry it off. Wouldn't it be great if we could learn to hang on that tightly to God in the same way that that limpet clings on to that rock and holds on and can't be pried loose? Wouldn't it be great if we could? There's a phrase from the New Testament. Make them sit down. The people were pushing and shoving around Jesus. For him to be able to minister to them, he needed them to sit down so they could receive from him what he had to give to them. That's what a worship service is about. That's why we're here this morning. We've been pushing and shoving all along at work, at school, with friends, with strangers. Now we take an hour and we sit down and we wait, ready for what, to hear what God has to give us. The first question that the church can ask itself from time to time is what can we do to help people to love God more? The second question is what can we do to help us love one another more? The Living Bible translates Peter's words, that some of the words that Arnie read for us. The Living Bible says you should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't snap back at those who say unkind things to you. Instead, or about you, it also says or about you. Instead, pray for God's help for them. For we are to be kind to others and God will bless us for it. This is one of the real strengths, I think, of Zion Church. The love that we share for one another. The people here really love one another. Every time I see and have a conversation with your, with former, your former pastor here, Pastor Ted, he always says to me, the thing that I remember the most about that congregation is the love. So even back when he was here, he said, those people love one another, and I knew when I was their pastor, I knew that they loved me. And I said, yep, you're absolutely right. That love exists still today in this church. And the love and care for one another is amazing and remarkable at times. I once asked a guy I was counseling. He was talking about fears, many fears he had in his life. And I said, what is it, though, that you are the most afraid of? And you know what his answer was? He said, I have to admit the thing that I'm most afraid of is that I don't think anybody loves me. I'm afraid of not being loved. Well, I wanted to say, come join us. 
There's plenty of love to go around here in this church family. There are lots of people in this world with that fear. If they only knew that the church is not only people loving God, but also people loving other people. If they only really understood what we are about, these seats would all be filled every Sunday morning if people really understood us and knew why we were here. We're not here to push our religion down your throat. We're not here to tell you what to believe. We're not here to tell you that you're right or that you're wrong. We're here to love you, just like Jesus loved every person he met. In his book, Rebuild Your Life, Dale Galloway tells about an experience when he was a custodian at a big church while he was a college student. He said, one Saturday morning as I was cleaning the sanctuary, I had the windows open, and a little bird flew in. Once the bird got inside, he flew around, he looked like he was having a really wonderful time checking out this big, huge building with all the colors and all that. What an adventure. So exciting and new. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on that little bird that he was trapped inside the sanctuary. At least it seemed that way to me as I watched him. And then he began to fly through the air looking for a way out, it looked like. I found myself wanting to help this poor, panic-stricken bird. And so I began to, after a while, watch him closely and try to think of a way to help him. And after a while, he landed upstairs in the balcony. So I ran up the stairs to the balcony. You would have thought I was crazy if you were watching me. Because as I reached down to pick up the little bird, he took off again. Back downstairs I went. From one end of the church to the other, chasing him, following him, trying to help him. Up against the top of the window, finally, he hit, trying to escape. But he couldn't find his way out. And this struggle went on for quite a while. And then finally, in utter exhaustion, giving up, the bird just fell to the floor. He wasn't dead. He probably felt half dead. I walked over to him. I knelt down and I reached out my hands and I gently picked up this fallen bird. I carried the bird in my hand over to the window and I opened up my hands and the little bird flapped his wings and flew away with a new life. He was free to fly and climb the heights once again. And then he goes on to write, just a few years ago, I was broken torn apart emotionally, trying this way and that way to find a solution. And then one day, completely exhausting, exhausted, not knowing what to do to get out of my situation, I fell into the hands of my Heavenly Father. He picked me up. He nursed my wounds with his love. He held me close to his heart. He healed me of all my brokenness. And he made me whole. God set me free to fly the heights Again, I have seen God do that sort of thing for people many times over. Quite often he uses us, his church, to lift the broken and bruised bird to life and freedom once again. Look around this room this morning. Think about the people who are part of this church family, who are broken or bruised. And they need to 
know of your love. Maybe a shy teenager. Maybe someone who needs a word of encouragement. Someone who has a deep disappointment in their life or someone who is grieving at the loss of a loved one. Someone is, who is sick themselves or have someone close to them very sick. There's only one kind of church that has enough electricity to cause a bunch of people to jump at once. And that's a church where people truly love and care for one another. Bishop Fulton Sheen once asked a missionary from one of the islands in the Pacific, what was the greatest virtue of people that he helped there? And he said, I can tell you that their greatest virtue in terms of what they regard as their greatest vice, which is named Kaipo, that is the sin of eating alone. Some of them would go without food for two or three days until they could find someone with whom they could share their blessings. Now think about that for a minute. The sin of eating alone. It's no accident that at the center of the Christian faith, there's a table. A table where we meet here at Zion once a month. Where believers break bread and drink wine and drink from the cup together. And our first focus is to help people to love God. Our second is to love one another. And then there's one more focus, and that is just as important as the first two, and that is to love people outside of these church walls. A five-year-old attended a worship service for the first time. The preacher was one who rants and raves and roars when he preaches and pounds on the pulpit, and the pulpit was shaped like a big box. And when the preacher got all warmed up that morning and started pacing back and forth like a tiger in a cage and pounding on the pulpit with his fists and shaking his fists in the air, the little boy got scared. And he whispered to his grandma, what are we going to do if he gets out of there? (laughs) Grandma said, don't worry, he hasn't gotten out yet. A religion that never gets out of the pulpit, never gets out of the pew, and goes out the door to the world outside has never really understood the gospel. The words of John 3.16 are, For God so loved the world. Thank you. That's the gospel. The church exists for the world outside. Let's be careful about saying, Why are we giving money to the food pantry when we have a deficit? Be careful. Our focus cannot become inward. We have to take care of things here. We have to meet our finances. But our focus has to be on the other side of those walls. Walter Cavert wrote about attending a Rotary Club meeting on a day that it paid tribute to the manager of a business that had been in business for a hundred years. Somebody said, a century is a long time. Only an organization that is based on sound principles and rendering vital service could have lasted that long. You get what he's saying? An organization doesn't last 100 years unless there's something good about it, unless it's done something right. This church has been in existence for 172 years. It's for a reason. I stole the minister's thunder, but there was a minister at this meeting, and, some, and the, this same person asked the question of the whole group, can you think of 
another, is there another club here who has been in existence for a hundred years? And this pastor stood up and said, I have the honor of representing an organization that has been at work in this community ever since it began and in the world for 2,000 plus years. No organization has ever been based upon sounder principles or more, done more important service than the Church of Jesus Christ. No organization, I dare say, has done anything more important in this community than this church and the church down the street that way and the church down the street that way and the one that way and the one that way. No other organization has done more. That's how we capture that electricity. That's how we continue to be that big happy family that God wants us to be. To make sure that everything we do in this church contributes to those three main focuses. To help people love God more, to help us love one another more, and to render loving service to the people. Always remembering that our focus is on outside of the walls. That's who we are that's what we're about. Amen.